Hey, Mark. Hi, Dennis. Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Absolutely not. In fact, never. Never. And do we ever divulge the opinions of anybody but ourselves? No, it's just our opinions and As those of our employers, no, our families, Can you believe friends, we have jobs? Our pets? Our pets. None of what we say is the opinion of my dog. This episode of the Hostile Work Environment is intended for mature audiences. That means Dennis can't listen. Hostile Work Environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile Work Environment. I'm the Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment with Mark and Dennis. Dennis here. We're back. We're back. And it's a exciting week in the news media. What? Why? Um, oh, no reason. <laughs> it's been pretty boring news week. Yeah, a little Washington turmoil. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I've just been out of it. Can you? What, what happened? Well, there's this thing called the Supreme Court. Have you heard of it? I've I've seen a glancing reference here or there. And apparently they have like, you know, some sway in the whole judicial system somehow. And President Trump nominated this guy named Brett Kavanaugh, who is a beer drinking frat boy from, you know, from Yale, Yale. And apparently he has a little harassy, rapey problem in his past, maybe, according to multiple women that have come forward. And that's getting in the way of his nomination right now. Okay. I, now that you mention it. Does that ring in a bell? It may, now it's all coming back to me. Oh, okay. I kind of yeah. maybe blocked out the whole week because I, I probably spent more time watching that than I did, you know, doing my job. Really? Probably. More than like you watched soccer? Oh, definitely more than I watched soccer. Wow. Now yeah. that, that says something. Definitely more. I think it's, you know, getting towards the end of the timber season which for you is like you yeah know. no it's a big deal but no i mean everything in its place right yeah fair enough so so what do you think about this whole kavanaugh business i thought it might be a good thing for us to talk about today yeah why not and it's a little bit of a break in form though we'll, we'll tie it back to employment law a little bit here because what we what we want you to think about is put yourself in the position of an hr professional Big stretch. Yeah. Uh, having to investigate this in your workplace, assuming that Ms. Ford and Mr. Kavanaugh are, are co-workers. Yeah. And you receive an allegation of this nature. What kinds Ooh. of, in, right? Yeah. What kinds of information for you as an investigator would make you believe one side or the other, right? Because we, we hear so much here about oh yeah about i believe her or i don't believe her or i believe right? or him. i believe him or i believe both of them that they both believe they're telling the truth which i've heard a lot of also I've heard that as well and a lack of corroborating information is something that you hear from a lot of republicans i'm not sure that's true or i'm not sure it's untrue but 
And there's a little inve- FBI investigation going on as we speak. Right. Which- so there may be more information to come, um, probably not by the time this airs, but no. who knows? Who knows? What information will come out when? Uh, it seems like a very fluid situation. So I, we thought it would be a really good time to step aside from our standard kind of format here and just talk about this. Wait, it's wait, what, wait, wait. We have a format? Yeah, we do, actually. I thought the format was like you and I blathering incoherently. That's a format. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just checking. Okay, and I mean, that actual part of the format is probably still going to be there. But the other part of the format of, where yeah. we like pick a case and talk about it. Okay, we're is, not doing that. This is yet. this is just too important and too timely in the news. And I know that this is far more interesting than anything else we were probably going to talk True. about today. And for those of you who need your case fix with like some legal related tie-in, don't worry, we got one for you in the second segment. It's all full of like statutes and geekiness and you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And video games. So stay tuned. It'll be cool. That sounds, that sounds very cool. So, so we thought it might be fun to, to delve into this topic a little bit more because it's, it's fascinating and it's timely. Um, I do think we should probably let some of our own biases just be put out on the table before we delve in. Right. Which is that we are too hippie, liberal, commie Portlanders. Yes. Um, I am a card-carrying member of the Bolshevik society, as is Mark. Yes. So, you know, we come at this from one point of view as as from the, from the left side of, of that political aisle and just want to put those biases out there from the start. And, and yet we're both management side employment lawyers, which is often seen as being on the more... The man side. On more of the man side of things, yeah. So I I think we are able to approach this despite our own personal leanings with a pretty not horribly biased viewpoint. Right, right. And I I like to think so anyway. And where I'd like to start with this is, is not getting into the question of whether it happened or did not happen. Right. I, think I don't think we're going to solve that. We're today. not going to solve that. And we weren't there and we don't know. Neither was anybody else except for the two of them and maybe one or two other people yeah. who haven't been spoken to for whatever reason. Right. Although um, it sounds like the FBI might be working F- on that. The one. FBI might be doing that. So let's see what comes from that. But I thought it might be an interesting place to start to talk about Judge Kavanaugh's impassioned plea in his own defense. From a legal standard, from an evidence standard. Okay. Now, I think this this requires us to go back to law school for a minute. Oh God, no! I, I right. I, Twenty years of therapy. I, I'm still not fully recovered. I, well, I'm going to bring it back out. Ugh, nightmares. Anyway, I'm I'm Dennis's trigger apparently. <laughs> First year evidence. Yeah. I did well in that class. Yeah, I, I did okay, and I thought, and this 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 t- does tie back to to your investigating of complaints as an HR professional. So right. so it, it, that tie in is still there. How how do courts in litigation? How do they weigh? How do they instruct juries? And how do they themselves weigh evidence? Well, one of the basic rules of evidence is for. Evidence, even to get into court, 
in front of a judge or in front of a jury is that it needs to be relevant. Yep. Meaning it needs to have probative value. It needs to make something that is at issue in the case either more or less likely to be true or we don't care. Right. So that's kind of like the basic threshold to even before we even worry about it. Is it admissible? Right. Is it admissible, meaning relevant? Right. And is it more probative than it is prejudicial? Right. And that's and, the other thing is sometimes there's evidence that could be probative, but it would be people would not be able to look beyond the prejudicial impact of that evidence to really be able to weigh its probative value. Can you give me an example? Just And it doesn't have to be employment. It could be anything. What, what would be something that's highly probative but maybe less prejudicial or and then the reverse? So I'm putting you on the spot with that. You're so totally if, you're, if, you're, me, if your example totally sucks, that's fine. And it probably will. But let's imagine that you are in a criminal case, mm-hmm. right? And the issue at hand is whether or not the defendant murdered somebody. Okay. The defendant has been previously convicted of rape. Now, is it more likely, is somebody who's been previously convicted of rape more likely to murder somebody? Well, maybe. The tie. So, so, that, would, so that would make it probative. It would make it relevant. Relevant. But is a jury going to go like, well, this guy's a rapist. So, so he, must really have done even, he must have done it. We don't necessarily need to care so much about whether the evidence shows he's also a murderer. We hate this guy because he's a rapist and right. we want him to fry. Which is why in criminal trials, with some exceptions, they usually do not allow the defendant's prior crimes to come into evidence. Right. Because it doesn't tell you about whether they did it this time. Right. And that would be prejudicial if it, if it was allowed in. Correct. Okay. So now that we have that standard in place, let's talk about, about probative evidence generally. Okay. Okay. And let's, let's apply that. To, to Mr. Kavanaugh here. So Go for it. would you say that it is important for a judge or a federal judge or maybe even a Supreme Court justice to understand the basics of what we just talked about with regard to probative evidence? You know, I think a judge is kind of expected to know the rules of evidence. That's if a first year law student. Well, I think I took evidence my second year. If a second, Actually, I think I did too. Yeah, yeah. it's not really the first it's year. It's not curriculum. a first year class. Yeah, but if a second year law student is expected to know the basics of the rules of evidence, I think it's fair to say that a Supreme Court justice should as well. Okay, so so putting aside for the moment the fact that this confirmation hearing is not. It is not the sort of hearing where evidence is being weighed by a jury in that kind of way in terms of wouldn't it still be a a good thing for a judge to show some basic understanding of what's probative and what's not probative in defending himself? Well, it is a uh, leading question, but well, no, and of course, but but and of course it is. And. Whether you're in a court or whether you're in a Senate hearing or whether you're in an argument around the dinner table with your racist cousin, you still want to have an ability to make a coherent argument that's based on logic and facts and not logical fallacies or spurious arguments. Right. 
Right. Or evidence that, that, I mean, it could be relevant, but it's just not that interesting or doesn't tell you a whole lot. Right. That's not a convincing argument. And yet that's what we got. Okay. Expand on that, please. All right. What do you know about his calendars? Because well, he talked about that, right? He, he did. Had, he had a full it proves he's what, innocent. 40 or 45 minute opening before the weird debacle of questioning where yeah, anyway yeah. where he he talked about that and there were a couple of things he kept coming back to yeah. as as not only just evidence but really powerful evidence exonerating him from having been even able to have committed this act right and the one of the one that 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 he you know to me kept coming back was his calendars right are the calendars Probative? Slightly. Slightly. They if this was a if this was a trial, if we were in court, they might be admissible. But they're not terribly compelling evidence. I mean, they're they're subject to a ton of cross-examination. Right. I mean, my first question where I cross-examining somebody who came up with that would be like, well. Excuse me, but who keeps calendars 30-some years from when they were teenagers? Have you? Right. Are you asking me? Yeah. Like, no, no, I haven't. I haven't. Do you know anybody well, who has? I, I don't think so. Um, it's it's kind of weird. I'm not sure I had a calendar like that in the first place. But no, I know I like, didn't. <laughs> um, right. And, and okay, so, so. I also want to know, like, we've seen sort of like. You know how the calendar sort of flips open? Yeah. And on one on the top half it's like a picture and on the bottom half it's the date. Right. Have you seen what the top half is? For his? Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. Oh. I want to know what the top half was. <laughs> Are we talking about like, you know, the Audubon Society annual calendar? We talking snap-on tools here. I think the public deserves to know. Yeah. Is this like some nudie girl calendar he's got? I think that would be equally as probative as anything that's on it. Or a calendar from his church. Right. Which actually leads me to the second point. Twelve saints for 12 months. Yeah. (laughs) Which leads me to the second point. Twelve stations of the cross for 12 months. Talking about being open to cross-examination on what's in there. Yeah. Right. One of the things he mentioned is that the calendar seems to be lacking significant information about a certain place he was at every Sunday morning. Yeah, you'd think, well, maybe you don't need to do that because you know you're going to be in church every morning. So, you know, why bother putting it down? Yeah, but why not block the time? I, I don't know. It just, if he's saying that this is accurate and it's it definitively says where he was and when yeah you'd think that would be there you'd think that would be there it would be a good cross-examination question so mr kavanaugh apparently you were simply free every sunday right at home you know no no i was at church well why isn't that on your calendar which you've just told us is is full of detail around where you were and when yeah right which i guess brings us to the third thing is it, it had pretty broad Pieces of information there. It didn't tell you, though, where specifically or what. Like, it had, like, a full week beach week. Which oh, well, sounds, okay, beach I, week. I, like, does that say where you are at all times during a beach week? Or, it does not. Or I, it's just, I don't know that I saw anything in these calendars 
that gives me any indication as to where he was right. uh, when this event occurred. Now, there's one way in which this could be more probative than we've discussed. And that is that sometimes you're able to bring in documentary evidence because it helps refresh somebody's memory of what right. occurred in the past. Absolutely. Like if you asked me where I was on a particular date when I was 17, 18, I would have no clue. None whatsoever. I don't think most of us would. No. Um, especially not if I was blackout drunk. But leaving that aside for a minute. But if I, say, did keep a diary or a detailed calendar or even a sparsely detailed calendar and I looked at the calendar, like, say, let's say, Mark, you asked me, like, Dennis, where were you on July 16th of 1987? I would go, I'm sorry, I have no goddamned idea. But if you handed me a calendar that said Beach Week on it, that and might, it was that week. Yeah. Oh, that was the week my family and I went to the beach and we rented that beach house. I remember that now. Right. But that still wouldn't necessarily get you to the point where you remember where you were at every point during that week. Unless I also remembered that that was the week we rented the RV and drove it to the beach and we right. stayed and slept so in the it, RV and I it can no be way could have gone back to but, some frat party. But the calendar itself isn't telling you a whole lot. It's reminding no. you of, of things that you remember yourself. And you have to couple that calendar with those memories to come up with a complete picture. And I don't know that we've seen that. I, Instead, it's just like, look, beach week, see? Right. Which brings us back. Tell us squat. Which brings us back to the point. Okay, fine. It's bad evidence. Okay, who cares? Except this is somebody who wants to be a judge, a justice on the highest court in the land. And I that's have the a, best you got. And well, well, not only that that's the best you got, I don't have a problem if he uses the calendars or if he points to them. But but to try to convince the rest of us that these are highly probative of anything, yeah. which is exactly what he was trying to and do. And we know they're not. And we know they're not. And any, I think any person, let alone any lawyer or any litigator, would see that these are not strong evidence of anything. If he's, if he's interviewing for the highest court in the land, don't you think he should be held to a higher standard in terms of the evidence that he puts forward for himself? Well, and you would think, let's, let's look at it a different way. What if going back to, you know, what you had mentioned before, what if these were two co-workers and it wasn't 30 years ago, it was just a few months ago and one said that the other tried to assault her and she had a credible story as to what happened and then you went and you interviewed the alleged perpetrator and he's like, no, couldn't have happened. See, here's a calendar entry for that day that says beach. Right now, and that's his only—that's his only rebuttal. Given that, does that mean that this guy is now exonerated, and you should be like, "Oh, sorry to have bothered you. Please go back to work. We'll go fire right. that right. How you know, about liar providing, that accused you." How about providing something a little more concrete, like a picture from the beach with a timestamp? Yeah, give me your face. Well, you know, Kavanaugh didn't have Facebook thirty years ago. Well, but sucks to be him. Sucks right. to I mean, be him. But you know, that's one of the things but, we might ask. But, for. but that's the difference between something that's pretty broad and something that's going to be much more. I'm going to put, give a lot more weight to as evidence yeah. if if it's if it's something that's specific and shows a picture of me at the beach 
that I emailed that day and it's got a timestamp right. or something like that. Did anyone would did anyone see you at the beach? Was anyone with you? Who can tell me where you were at the time and date that this was alleged to have happened? Do you have any corroborating witnesses who will help you out? Do you have anything? Not just like, you know, some vague like, oh yeah, my calendar said beach that day. Case closed. So, uh, so, so to pretty, me, pretty weak. I this mean, is, this is we'd super probably, weak stuff. You know, consider firing that guy. Right, right. Okay. Not, not appointing him to the highest court in the land. Let, let me point something else out from that opening monologue. I guess. Yeah. Dennis, is it possible for me to be racist if I have black friends? No. I've heard that's the that, surefire, complete defense to any charge of racism. Okay. I mean, <laughs> like, that's one of the worst arguments that anybody can make. We we generally laugh at that argument. And yet. I can't be racist. My, my servant girl is black. I, I mean. No. No. No, no, no. It doesn't and so, work. So does that mean that his argument, which he wasn't direct, but it was an indirect argument that was made and very clearly made in his opening that he listed the names of his female friends, right? And he pointed out the fact that he has a very strong record of having female law clerks as evidence that he could not or would not have assaulted somebody. Yeah, that doesn't fly. It doesn't fly. It's a horrible kind of argument. That doesn't fly at all. That's like saying, you know, Thomas Jefferson couldn't be racist. He was in love with Sally Hemings. Wrong. No. <laughs> Wrong. He, he can be a racist. He was a slave owner. The fact that he, you know, had a relationship with one of his slaves does not exonerate him. No. Judge Kavanaugh has female law clerks who it has been noted, are all pretty attractive. I have seen those notes as well. You know, I, by all means, he, he, he can't be sexist. Right. Well, and not even a question of sexist. Is it probative as to whether he assaulted Ms. Ford? No. It's not. Not even remotely. It's not. And yet... These well, are like, the things. like that one wouldn't even get past the relevance test. In right. Court. Right. Nor would the fact that he went to Yale and he worked his butt off. No, that would not get. I in. believe he worked his butt off and he went to Yale. Well, I believe he went to Yale. I, I think he I'm, worked his butt off. I'm not, I, I'm, you I'm, know, not, I'm not convinced he worked his butt off. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not saying he would have had to have. But I, I have no reason to doubt that he did. Fair enough. In between. You're, you're a bigger. In between blacking out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just haven't seen the proof that he worked his butt uh, off. What? I haven't seen proof of anything, right. which is part of the point that's, of this conversation. Right? I, but not even proof. I'm not seeing evidence of any kind. And it would have been far more powerful for me if, if he came out there and said, this is something that is alleged, alleged to have happened 30 years ago. There's not going to be any evidence that I can point to that says it didn't happen other than just telling you that it did not. Right. As opposed to saying, here's all the people who say I'm a good guy. And right. here, and I went to Yale and I have female friends and I have a calendar. Right. That to me speaks to 
to just all the worst kinds of evidence to try to defend yourself when you have no defense. Oh, yeah. No, that's when you're grasping at straws. Right. And I understand. And when you lack the common sense to face it the way that you just described. Right. And I understand that many, many, many defendants or people who are being investigated are going to move into that kind of evidence for lack of anything else and because it's uncomfortable to not be able to say anything else. Right. Right. Whether you did it or not, it's hard. Yeah. But he's interviewing to be a Supreme Court justice and expects us to buy these crappy kinds of 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 evidentiary arguments as as evidence that he didn't do this thing. But to me, it's evidence that he's not. If he expects us to buy these 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 bad techniques of evidence to support it, then that to me disqualifies him as a judge. It shouldn't. It doesn't pass my test. I've got another related question for you, Mark. And this could be a Senate hearing or it could be an HR investigation. Same same difference in my book. If you are questioning somebody who is accused of misconduct, do you consider their demeanor when they respond to the questions? Let me give you some examples. And Yes, of course I do. If... You were interviewing the alleged harasser in a workplace incident, and they respond by calmly, rationally explaining their point of view, saying, like, look, I understand that I've been accused of that. That is not who I am, and that is not my character, and that is not something that I would ever do in the workplace or outside of the workplace. How do you weigh, as an investigator, that type of demeanor against the demeanor of the accused who starts to rant and rave and gets angry and cries and talks about how this is ruining their life and becomes really explosively emotional about the accusations, which one of those two do you find more credible? And is it fair in either a Senate hearing or a workplace investigation to take that demeanor evidence into account. Let me start with the last bit. Yes, it's fair. And I would find generally the first example, the person who calm and rationally talks about what happened, as being more credible for me than the person who speaks from a place of emotion. Me too. But not as wide a gap on that as I think some would. Because I understand if you feel that you've been falsely accused, it's hard. it could be very That's hard. Tough. It can be I very hard, that to, is hard to keep your emotions in check. Have you ever been falsely accused of anything? I'm sure I have. We all have. Right? And and how do you Who keep, ate the last cookie? Right? Mark, you son of a... Right. How you do know? you keep the animal part of your brain from taking over as, as a defense mechanism? And I understand that that is part of human nature. Right. A question that I put out in this case is... Where's that anger coming from? Is it because he didn't do it or is it because his privilege is being questioned? That's always a good question in these types of cases. Like one is you're you're angry because, you know, this has been difficult to deal with. The other is you're angry because someone has dared question someone of your station in life. Right. And in the situation I'm in, I I thought this was going to be easy. I thought I was going to be a Supreme Court justice. And look at what you're doing to me to yeah. keep me from being there. That's mine. 
and I'm going to react angrily because you're taking what's mine away from me. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm not that sort of person who would do the thing I'm accused of. And that's all I'm going to say on the matter. For lack of, of any other evidence that I can point to from something 30 years ago. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Right? And that's why in this case, it's not very credible for me. No, that's not. All right. Let me point out one other. And this is one that's been much more widely reported on. I, I think there's actually two other pieces. One is a, about things that can be uh, small things that can be demonstrably disproven. He was under oath. Right, things that were written in his high school yearbook and oh, what they yeah. mean. Yeah. Right, and I'm going to pass over that for a moment or, or for this conversation because uh, I don't have the detail and I don't know that it, it that's a rabbit hole that I think we could go down. But I, I do oh, think yeah. I do think that's a, another potential disqualifier from from a perjury standpoint that he's trying to soft pedal his past and saying things that have very common meanings don't have those common meanings. Oh yeah, yeah. very hard uh-huh. for me. Okay. Let's get to the to the even bigger one for me, yeah. which is his just rank partisanship. Oh my god, yeah. How I mean, he gets he's like this is this is all a smear campaign by the left and Democrats and the Democrats on this committee and the Clintons and like he actually talked about the Clintons like in his right like and and, 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 and where buying, are the Clintons in this? Buying well because of of his his work back in the night. Right anyway. Oh yeah, because you know when he was the one he, who really wanted to question Bill, Bill Clinton, Clinton about Drew, every as part single of Ken Starr's detail, investigation, right? You know, which if 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 you're in just a, a little plug here, I'm listening to Slow Burn season two. Oh, same here. Oh, I just I just I'm I'm only about three episodes in right now. No, I'm all caught. You're up. all caught up. Totally worth listening oh to, God, yeah. and and go back and listen to the first season of Slow Burn about about also Watergate. Awesome. Also awesome, just just yeah. a, a little plug there. I mean, for, it has no bearing on anything that's going on. No, that. no, it's totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. It's just it's politics. just very good entertainment. De pure. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but okay. So he's he he is basically buying into to conspiracy theories as to oh, why yeah. this is happening. Which, of course, like I point. Uh, all right. His views are not right, and his his views as a judge are not that different from Neil Gorsuch. No. Did any of this happen with Neil Gorsuch? What? No. Where were the Clintons then? Exactly, sleeping on the job. Okay. So the vast left wing conspiracy was just caught unaware by Gorsuch. So how does this make him? Or not render him disqualified, I guess, as a judge if he can't, right? Isn't he, right? In, in, in a sane, normal world, assume he gets, this is weird. I was going to say, in a sane, yeah. normal world, assume, yeah, yeah, yeah. assume he gets he gets put on the bench here, right. which would disprove that. But, right. but let's assume he does. Wouldn't he have to uh, take himself out, recuse himself from like, 50% of the cases that come before the court well, where any, there's any sort of political background or something some, or, or some party or, or related entity with a left-leaning point of view? Hasn't he just rendered himself completely incapable of being objective? You would think. And how is that possible for the highest court in the land? Which is not supposed to be a partisan office. And, you know, the irony here is that he's replacing somebody, Justice Kennedy, who was a Republican appointee justice, but was rather well known for being stridently nonpartisan. Right. It, 
the contrast could not be more stark. Yeah. And to me, that last piece is the one that regardless of your political affiliation, there should be no argument about. That rant disqualifies him from being a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And, I, it, it's, and it's shocking to me that it seems as we sit here recording this right now, we don't know what the new investigation is going to bring up. But as it sits right now, I have every expectation that he will be confirmed. Sad day in America. It's rough. And on that note, let's take a break and come back with more traditional hostile work environment uh, content. Cool. Hey, Mark, have you ever had to lay anybody off? Once or twice. How many? Like, how many people in the layoff? Well, I mean, I guess it depends um, on how you define my role in the layoff. But I have been part of organizational restructurings that have had significant numbers of people laid off. As have I. And recently, as has... As had, as as hat, as hat, as hat. Yeah, that 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 was just terrible. We'll edit that out. Recently, the yeah, right, a large layoff happened to a video game company oh. called Telltale Games. They basically shuttered operations and laid off about two hundred and twenty-five staff in the Bay Area of California, as opposed to the other Bay Area. Well, you know, it could have been like the Hudson Bay Area or the Tampa (laughs) Bay Area. I mean, given this show, you know, the odds of something happening in Florida are relatively high. Fair enough. I was just being so we're talking about the but the fact that it's in California ends up being notable. So they had two hundred and seventy five employees. Laid off 225. There were some other... Is it because they were sitting around playing video games all day? I suspect. And you know what else is new in California? <laughs> so much. Oh, that. Okay, yeah. So they were they were playing video games in high. Yeah, that's my guess. During I mean, the day. Pure, and so let's just, let's just... Pure speculation. I have no idea if that was the case. Okay. But Telltale essentially dropped down to a skeleton crew. Do you see any and and basically told everybody like, hey, as of as of immediately, you're all laid off. Oh, problems with that? Potentially. Like what? Well, I can think of two just off the top of my head. Did they do a birthday list? A birthday list? Yeah. You're going to have to tell me more about that. Well, a birthday list is what you do when you are laying off numerous individuals as part of a layoff, as it's a requirement under the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, so that impacted individuals get a list of the ages of people who are being laid off. Well, that's only if you are offering severance and want them to release claims against you. True, true. So I don't know that they were doing that or not. I have no indication that Telltale Games even bothered with that. Okay. Um, so if they didn't, then then that's not an issue. Right. Um, but it is one of the first things but I would typically ask. if you do want ask, to offer... Right, if you want to ev- offer the severance... Sorry, I should have led with that. But if you want to offer the severance, you're going to need to do the birthday list to get the release of claims. Right. What about the Warren Act? They ignored it. They ignored the Warren Act? The Warren Act. Tell, tell us about the Warren Act. 
so I'm going to mine. Uh, it's been a while since I've had to touch a Warren Act issue. So um, I, my and, and as usual, Dennis is hitting me without without any warning, without any <laughs> warning. Oh, you're, you're the best. But so um, good. generally speaking, if you lay off a certain percentage of your workforce or you close an entire location I want to say, is it over 50 people? But I can't remember the exact numbers. My numbers are going to be way off. That's why every time it comes up, I go back and I just, there's a lot of great resources that you can just get the numbers from. But if you're closing a plant, I think it's plant, Closing a, a plant is is one or a mass layoff plant is the closers other. closers and mass layoffs. Uh, and if you are doing doing either of those things, you have to give uh, a notice period of warning um, indicating to folks that you're planning to do that. And you either have to let them uh, work out that notice period or if you're going to have them lose their jobs before that, you're going to have to pay out the rest of that period. Right. And Telltale Games, who, by the way, developed some of the Walking Dead video games, um, failed to do that. Apparently, we're tired of shooting zombies. So, you know. Fair enough. But they failed to do that. They failed to to give any warning. Which, as an aside, the name of the WARN Act stands for the Worker Worker Adjustment Adjustment Renotification something. (laughs) Worker Adjustment... It, the R is a re something, right? <laughs> Worker Adjustment and Retraining, retraining notification, notification Act. Thank you. Renotification, renotification. That wouldn't make any sense. Right. Do you know what we call it when we take a, we want to call something the WARN Act and then we go, but we got to make, make that an acronym. You know what we call that? There's a word for it. Oh, I don't know. It's called a backronym. Oh, a I like that. Because you're backing awesome? into the acronym. Exactly. That's right. That's so right. they figured like, like we want workers to get warning that they're about to be laid off. What's a good name for that law? The WARN Act. Oh, right. that's a great name, but what's it stand for? Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act. Fair enough. Okay, so, so the they, whole they, idea. they failed to meet their, their WARN Act requirements right. here. So here's how it works. If you're going to, first of all, you have to be subject to the WARN Act. And that means you need to have 100 or more full-time workers. If you have a bunch of part-timers, you count them up. If you have a bunch of seasonal people, there's a whole lot of rules for how you get there. I'm not going to bore everybody with this. But basically, if you think you might have 100 or more FTEs going on, you should probably think about the WARN Act before you have a layoff. Then, if you're going to lay 50 or more people off for at least six months... You need to think about the Warren Act. So your ones and twos, like we don't need a, you know, executive director of the washroom anymore. You know, you could probably just lay that person off and not worry about it. You have to aggregate it over a six month period, however, or you could get in trouble. If the but that's not the only thing you also have to look and say, is this at least one third of the workforce at that location? Right. Or is it at least 500? Right. So it's 500 or one-third of the people of the location over 50. Right. And if that is the case... Thank you. I, this is, it's coming back to me now. It, it, it's so hard to remember these numbers without having looked at it for a while. But um, uh, it's very easy to look up. And you, I, I think the lesson here, just to, to jump in, is 
if you know you're going to be having a significant number of people laid off and, and you otherwise meet some of these thresholds, like having more than 100 employees, which most yeah. of you are going to, um, probably worth looking at this. Yeah. And if you have to give notice, you have to give 60 days worth of notice, not just to the employees, but also the unemployment department for whatever jurisdiction right. you're in That's and the right. chief elected official on the local level. So that could be a county commissioner if you're in a county. It could be a mayor if you're in a city, so on and so forth. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It's not hard to find all the, the detailed rules if you're interested in it. The point I wanted to make is that a lot of places forget to consider the WARN Act at all. Right. And and I would add one more complication to that, which I don't know if you've ever looked at this, but about half of the states have what are called mini WARN Acts. And California is it's among one of those them. states. And basically, these states have said, yeah, we, we think the WARN Act, the federal WARN Act is is the bare minimum, but we're going to enact some gr greater restrictions on top of that. So it could be a longer notice period or a smaller number of people being impacted. So you're going to want to look at your state's local warn if right. it has one. About half the states have them. And some have different requirements. California, yeah. for example, has the 50 employee threshold, but does away with the one third. Uh -huh. So, so if, anytime it's 50 or more, you're on the hook. You're implicated by California's warn. Right. What happens if you screw up and you don't give 60 days notice? Well, you're going to have a penalty. Well, maybe. I mean, it may be, right? I thought it was if if you miss the notice, you're going to have to do back pay for the amount of time you missed the notice up to the 60 and days. that is true. That When I say a penalty, that's what, right? It's... Um, you have to be sued first, but that's okay, that's basically what the damages are, is you go back and you look and you say, okay, you gave one day of notice instead of 60, so you now owe every affected employee 59 days of back pay. Yeah. Oops. Oops. So it can be expensive if you blow it. Yeah, and, and, and let's just, I'll just add the caveat, if you're in California and you blow it, Anything's expensive. Anything. Everything's expensive. expensive. So, sorry, California, but. Yeah. There are certain exceptions if you have emergency circumstances. Right. If you have to close as the result of strike or labor unrest, it doesn't apply. If you have to close because there was an earthquake, it doesn't apply. But you should always stop and go through the analysis anytime you think you're going to have a layoff that could potentially hit the Act trigger numbers. Right. And if if your business is hurting such that you think it's possible you might end up having to close and you have fair notice of that, you're still under the Warn Act. Yep. You still got to you still got to meet these obligations. Yeah. Now, if you're just going out of business and you're declaring bankruptcy and you have no assets, maybe you don't need to care. Because, you know, what, if what's you're assetless, <laughs> um, it's going to be hard to pay it either way. But, but the, the trouble with Telltale Games is they're basically shutting down game development operations, but they're still raking in money hand over fist from all their Walking Dead video games. Mm. So they continue to have assets coming in through the front door. Mm -hmm. They have been sued. So... Mm -hmm. A uh, as as you know in California, you never just like sue by yourself. You always put together a class action, 
A guy named Vernie Roberts Jr. filed a class action suit on behalf of himself and fellow employees alleging that the game game developer violated the federal and state Warren Acts. So... So how many employees did you say were laid off? 225 out of 275. So 225 times 60 60. days times their salary. Right. That's not small potatoes. Especially because this is Bay Area, California. Game developers don't come cheap in the Bay Area. Right. So let this be a warning to you all. Indeed. Be right back with the fun story. And now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the hostile work environment. Story time with Uncle Mark. Is it actually everybody's favorite part? I don't know that, but it sounds better than like, oh, God, you can all fast forward through this part. It's just Mark telling stories. All right. I got a short one today. That's Um, what she said. Boom, boom, I got a short one today. <laughs> um, it's a, basically a bunch of one-liners. Um, it's a little different from our usual format. A little more than one-liners, but but barely. All right. So, hi, Mark. Hope you're well. Had to share a couple of HR stories. She did not say hi to Dennis, so. That did not go unnoticed, so. Yeah. Um, VP of Store Operations, late 40s, for a retailer, calls their early 30s training manager and says, you're too young to be so overweight. <laughs> it's two for the price of one. I'm going to send you to a weight loss clinic and write the cost off as a bonus. If you tell HR, I'll tell them you're lying. You need to lose weight. Okay. When you when you threaten to call somebody a liar, <laughs> don't do so in print. Right. You know, have it having you know documentary evidence. No, no. Well, this is it's a calls. Oh, I, I thought it this was, was an email. I don't okay, think this was bad. an email. Um, same cast, additional scenario. Yeah. Training manager enters VP's office for a budget for sorry for a meeting. And the training manager's the fatty, right? I yes, yes, young fatty. Yes, allegedly, according <laughs> to the VP. Training manager enters VP's office for a meeting, holding a cup of coffee. Training training manager's hand is tremoring slightly. VP says, oh, are you having a heart attack? Um, same cast, additional scenario. He was just showing concern. I mean, yes. the, the guy's overweight. I mean, right. he, he could have a heart attack at that age. Uh, same cast, additional scenario. VP gives training manager a performance appraisal, which includes verbiage as well as mathematical computations. Now, I'm kind of curious what those mathematical computations were, but it doesn't tell me. Um, Training manager notices that evening that the math doesn't seem to add up. My guess is that he's adding up numerical scores. Scores for, yeah. yeah. Um, So since it's an HR form, uh, training manager goes to HR to see if she was misreading the form. Turns out there was just an error in the math by the VP. VP storms into the training manager's office and shouts, you went to HR? Do you want me to fire you? Don't you ever fucking go to HR again. Nice. Okay, I won't. Um, Same company. First ever sexual harassment training class. (laughs) 
attorney slash trainer that they hired tells the class the key takeaway is you get one free grope by law. Make it count because after that, it's harassment. What a great line. I think I'll use that. You should take that on for your trainings going forward. Yeah. One free grope. One free grope. That's what that's what harassment law says. I didn't know that. Yeah, no. It's I news. thought it said don't grope. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. One free grope. Now, is that one free grope per workplace or one free grope per employee in the workplace? There's a difference there. And it's, I wouldn't want our listeners to, you know, make that mistake. And what, and what if it's equal opportunity grope? What, men and women? Yeah. Or, yeah. Is it everybody? Is it, I, it's, I don't know. Beats me. I mean, how do you know it's unwelcome until you've tried, right? I, so hard to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank By you. By the f- way, for those of you who are tone deaf, that's what we call sarcasm. Yes. Um, don't grope. Don't grope ever. Or tell people it's okay to grope. There well, are no free gropes. It, if one asks for consent before groping, does that make it okay? I'm going back to our Kavanaugh discussion here. You know, it's just my mind is a swirl with possibilities. In your personal life or in the, in the office? In the office. I mean, I'd probably advise not to be doing it under any circumstances. Buzzkill. I know. I'm the worst. The worst. Well, thank you for that, listener. Um, yeah, you clearly have a fun workplace. We have a couple of stories left, but I am starting to get to that point of uh, worrying that yeah. we will get to an episode here soon where I don't have any left. And yeah. it's been probably about a month since I've gotten one. Whoa. So um, it's time, people. It's I know time. there's a lot of you listening out there. Send me your stories. At stories, stories at com. I almost forgot that part. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Dennis has a couple of of. Announcements announcements to talk about. So one, every now and then we get feedback from a listener. And, you know, usually it's like, you know, you guys suck, go away. But every now and then it's one that just about brings tears to my eyes. And I I just wanted to share this with the world because this is one that I really appreciate. So I want to say thanks to the person. It's titled, I enjoy everything about this podcast. And I read that and I was like, oh, what podcast? I want to listen to yeah. that one. But it was about ours. And, and they write, I am a 16-year-old and an aspiring employment attorney. Which good on you. Yeah. <laughs> if we haven't scared you straight yet, I don't think uh, we You're will. probably a lost cause. Yeah. So welcome. They continue. I was introduced to this podcast mid-July by my mom, who shared with me your fluids episode oh that was a good one it was but i wonder if you and i are now ethically obligated to contact child services no you you think it's okay to like share the fluids episode with a 16 year old the mom shared it and it's and is that appropriate the mom knows her child best okay fair enough and it was an awesome episode. It, it was pretty good. That, that's kind of a hard, hard. Wide, hard, high watermark. Yeah, you know? probably. Anyway, they, they continue. After laughing hysterically to that episode, I went back and listened to every episode since. I love your Archer introduction and the movie quotes at the end and listen every chance I get to new episodes. Keep up the good work. Signed, aspiring attorney. With a little American flag emoji. 
that is so. So cool. they're not one of our Kazakh listeners. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. It's it's feedback like that 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 you know makes me consent to being in the room with Mark yet again. So it's an, we appreciate it, it's it. a hard it's a hardship for Dennis. It is. Um, we have gotten some requests to do this show in person, live in front of audiences. So odd. I don't understand that one quite myself either. Um, we've got our first one coming up October 24th. Mark and I are going to be emceeing the PERMA event here in Portland, Oregon. That is the, what does PERMA stand for? I assume the Portland HR Management Association. Very good. Ooh. Yeah. Glad so they're having right. a annual member appreciation event. If you are a PERMA member, it is free for you. If you are not a PERMA member, then you're going to miss out. So you should probably become a PERMA member. Then yeah. you'll be appreciated. And we're going to still figure out what that format's going to be like, but it should be fun and yeah. soliciting and stories from audience members and getting some a lot of audience participation. I've been told there's an open bar. Is that so? Yeah. I didn't know that part. You know, if you're kind of you're on the fence, I don't know if I want to go to that. It's an open bar. Then we are going to be at a Northwest Risk Management Association no, the Pacific Northwest Risk Management Forum, I believe. Yes, in Seattle on November 8th. Yeah, so Seattle so if you're area into listeners. Managing risk. It seems like a pretty cool conference. And yeah. I think we'll be a breakout there, uh, if I recall. Yeah, but we'll they, have, they won't let us emcee that one. Yeah, well, you know. And I don't think there's an open bar because it's in the middle of the day. Probably not. In fact, I think we're on in the morning. Oh. Which, so we're going to have to wake people up then. Yeah. Um, but that should be fun, too. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing our best to record both of those episodes. So those will come to all of you eventually. But yeah, they'll be way more fun in person. If you happen to be in Portland or Seattle, uh, we highly recommend that you attend. Yeah. And then come up and say hi and let us know that you listen to this travesty we call a podcast. It would be great. Yeah. Agreed. And if you want to get in touch with us, Twitter. Twitter. We are at HWE Podcast. That's true. Also on the Facebook. Just yeah, look for I Hostile Work yeah, Environment I, I Podcast. I haven't really updated that for a while, but yeah. I need to. And of course, as always, stories at HWEPodcast.com. All right. And, th- and give us money. We're on oh, Patreon. Right. Without our patrons, we would not be... Doing what we do. Yeah, no, we at least need to be covering our expenses, and we're 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 right at the cusp of that, and it's it makes things easier. It would us. help if you help push us over the edge. So look for us at patreon.com slash HWE. And on that cheery note, farewell from a cloudy Portland, Oregon. Bye. Bye. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. Did you have it? Hamburgers. Hamburgers! The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast.